Good morning, church. Again, to all the fathers. Natural, that is, you know, uh, biological fathers, adoptive fathers, and spiritual fathers. A very blessed Father's Day to you. Just want to ask you a question. Have you guys wished the good father yet? You have? Okay, let's just wish him again, all right? Blessed Father's Day, God. We just thank you that you are our father. You are good. And your love for us endures forever. And this morning, we just want to bless you. And even, Lord, as we look at your word, we pray that your spirit will speak to each one of us. Your spirit will bring your word to each life. Not just the fathers, the mothers, the sons and daughters, the grandkids, all of us, Lord, in this sanctuary, as well as those that are connected with us online and those who would be going back to this message at any time, Lord, given that it is recorded on electronic media, that they will encounter your presence, they will encounter your goodness. For your word is timeless. And as such, it is timely. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, the songs we sang this morning, kind of like, if you look at good father, right? The good father, the goodness of God, and the blessing. I, 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 I was, talking, you know, Lionel was sending me the songs uh, over the weekend. I was just thinking, wow, you know, you know when he sent me the first uh message. I was like, wow, God, this is so, so apt, so accurate. And even as we look, even as we worship God with those songs, even as we declare the word of God for ourselves over the atmosphere, where we are this morning, now as we look at the word, I pray that God's spirit will just bring that double whammy in a good sense and minister to us this morning. Amen. So the good father, repeat that after me, the good father. Amen. That's only five of y'all. The good father. All right. Praise the Lord. We have a good father. Even as Pastor Ferks mentioned earlier, you know, no matter how good or how not so good our earthly fathers are or have been, right? Our heavenly father is good. Amen. He is good. One of the first memories of my dad, he's gone to be with the Lord. He's ran his race and he's probably having breakfast with Jesus this morning, you know. And, 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 and uh, was uh, one of the pictures, you know, uh, we've got an, an old black and white picture. I can see that, that photograph where he's carrying me and, and he's got his singlet in his hand. And what really happened was uh, I was probably about three years old or there about three or four years old and I was playing outside the house. It was raining so my dad comes back from work he wears a singlet inside and he's got another shirt outside. So he takes his shirt and puts it over my head, covering me from the rain and then and takes me inside. And I was like, oh man, this is super smelly, right? This sweat smell and all that. But what he was actually doing was he was putting that, that shirt over my head to protect me from getting wet. But, you know, as kids, you don't really, uh, you know, see the real picture of what's happening. And I think even as I've grown up and reached, you know, I'm... In my early 50s now and and i in the past we used to see things our parents do and we used to think you know that we knew better than them but as we age as we grow older we realize that they knew better than us you know that's why the phrase father knows best but when it comes to our heavenly father he really 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 knows best amen 
Wow, what was that? Okay, that was an amen to God knowing the best. Okay, praise the Lord. So let's. Uh, oh, I'm supposed to. We know that our Heavenly Father is good. I'm just going to start off. I'll just paint a quick uh, outline for you with regards to where we are going in this sermon. To really live an effective Christian life, to live an effective life at any level, we need to know who our God is. All right. If we do not know God, if we do not have a good relationship with the good Father, we will never be good fathers. We will never able, you know, we will never be able to relate to one another. Follow what I'm saying? We need to be connected to God properly so that we can connect to others properly. If we are not connected to the creator, we cannot connect effectively to the creation. Amen? Let's read this together. Most of my uh, scripture references are from the Amplified Translation. If it is a bit longer, it's from the Amplified. If it is shorter, it's from the New King James. Yeah, so... Okay, let's read it together. Good father, right? Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. Amen. God is our Father because we are in Christ Jesus and because of the work of Jesus and because of what he has done. We have been reconciled to God. We have the right to call him our father. Amen. Truth one. Established. Still getting used to this. Bear with me, guys. Okay. Good God. Good father. Good God. James 1.17. Every good thing given. Read with me, guys. And every Is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning. For he is perfect and he never changes. We just sang that he is a good father. He is a good God. He's perfect in all of his ways. He never changes. He does not, you know, he's not schizophrenic. A lot of times we hear people saying that, oh, I, 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 I heard God tell me to do this. And then the next day when you see them, God seems to be telling them to do something else. No, God does not change. When he says he loves you, that he is for you, he loves you and he is for you. Amen. He does not cast you off. He does not discard you. He is for you. And he will always be for you. Amen. That is a good father. You know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or the chip of the old block. What does that simply mean is that children take after their parents. Am I making sense? Yeah, we all do take after our parents. We all look like either our mom or dad or somewhere in between. Of course, children are always the new improved version of their parents. All right? And, and uh, so, Lionel, you'll be, seeing, you'll be seeing a new improved version of you and Rachel soon. <laughs> you know, children are always a new and improved version of our parents. And the thing is this. 
for us as believers in Jesus. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he told his disciples and he told the people who are looking at him. In fact, the words that comes to mind is when Philip asked him about the Father, right? Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Remember that? What did Jesus do? He who was representing the Father and he was reflecting the Father. Amen? We reflect our parents. Right? Whether we like them or not, we do reflect our parents in one way or another. I've, I, I, I've got this friend who did not really like uh, his dad. They had some issues. His dad is a, is a, is a, is a decent guy. Like my friend probably needs some improvement. If he ever hears this sermon, he will understand what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> He's a believer too. And he, he, he always tells me, you know, bro, I really don't want to be like my dad. And after a while, he tells me that, you know, the more I say that, I seem to be acting more like him. You know, but when it comes to God, it's good that we act like God. You know, the disciples of Jesus, right? After Jesus ascended into heaven, the Pharisees called all these guys up and the way, you know, they went about healing the sick and, and doing so many things. They were preaching and evangelizing and getting souls saved. And the Pharisees, you know, when they were discussing the, and, and the religious leaders, what did they say? You know, these guys, they are illiterate folks, uneducated folks, but they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Jesus, you know, he reflected the Father. He represented God. He reflected the Father. Matthew 5, 44 to 45. This is quite interesting, right? We're called to be reflectors and mirrors of God. That is what sons and daughters are called to do. This Father's Day, one of the things I, I really want, you know, I wanted to share something else quite a bit, but we have moved on. Uh, I kind of like crashed that sermon and, and in a kind of, in a way, compressed it and then changed it a bit in the last few days after praying about it. And I just want to share this with you. You know, we are called to be reflectors and mirrors of our Heavenly Father. Every one of us carries His presence. Every one of us carries His power, His anointing. Every one of us are called to reflect Him. In a, in a sense, we are called to Release Jesus into the atmosphere of our lives. Right? Release the presence of God. Matthew 5, 44 to 45. Let's read that together. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, when you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, don't pray for judgment to fall on them. Pray that God would bless them. That God will open the eyes of their heart to see the error of their ways. Pray that God will transform them and change them. Amen. Because when I when I when I when I read this as a kid, I was like, wow, yes, I can surely pray. You know, ask God to call down fire on them. But God had to had to deal with me, you know. And and today, let us see things through the lens of the word of God. Amen. Right? He sends rain on the just and on the unjust, on those who worship it, worship him, as well as those who don't. It's not like if you do not believe in Jesus. Your oxygen supply ends at 8 p.m. 
<laughs> he doesn't do that, does he? Or after 8 p.m., he shuts off the lights. <laughs> God is good, right? All the time and all the time, God is good. You know, when you look at all the fathers in the Bible, from, you know, you've got Abraham, the man of faith, even when he took, you know, uh, Isaac up to Mount Moriah to have him sacrificed, he knew God. Remember what he told his servants, we will go up to worship and we will come back. He knew that even if God killed Isaac, God could bring him back to life. Good father, right? So many good fathers. Of course, sometimes when you look at some of the fathers in the Bible, they are, they are not accidents waiting to happen. They are accidents. You know, bad ones. David, King David, Man, a man after God's own heart. But when you look at who, how his parenting skills were, pretty bad. His kids all ended up quite badly, right? You talk about Samuel. There was no one like him in the nation of Israel. I think one, that's, that's what the King James Version said about the prophet Samuel. But his sons were all crooks. Eli, Samuel's mentor, right? His sons all died in battle. God judged them, right? But, but they were worse. I mean, and these guys were serving God. Not, you know, so many fathers lie in the Bible, right? Mostly the ones you read in the Old Testament are not that good. Lah. But there is this particular guy. You heard of Mordecai, right? In the book of Esther. Esther is a book that it's probably, yeah, it's, it's the only other book in the Bible next to the Song of Solomon's that makes no mention of God in the first person. Right? The Song of Solomon and the book of Esther. Right, the only two books in the Bible that do not make reference to God in the first person. Now, Mordecai was Esther's adoptive father. Actually, Esther was his cousin. She was a, you know, she lost her parents when uh, the uh, Babylonians invaded uh, Judah and carried them captive. All right, and her parents were probably killed in in that that uh, siege. And she was adopted by Mordecai. Mordecai, who was a cousin, adopted her and brought her up. And the thing about, about Mordecai, the Mordecai syndrome is this. He was an adoptive father, but he brought her up well. He trained her up well. And you can see that in the course of the whole book. It's a 10-chapter book, the book of Esther. I tried reading it. I mean, I've read it many times, but I tried timing, uh, you know, that 10 chapters when I read it, right? It will take you anywhere between 26 to 32 minutes if you read it at a slow, calm pace. If you did BSR, you know, uh, reading at bullet speed like Uncle David, probably seven minutes or less, right? The 10 chapters. But it's just, uh, let's say, 30 minutes, 35 minutes. If you read slowly with a, over a cup of coffee or something, 45 minutes. But it's so good. I think if you can make the time this week, go into the Old Testament, read the book of Esther. I trust that after you've heard what the Spirit of God is going to minister to us this morning, and you go back and read it, he will continue the sermon. Amen? And minister to us. So, the Mordecai syndrome, what sort of a syndrome is this? It's not, it's not a bad syndrome, it's a good syndrome, right? Believe me. And Mordecai, he brought up Esther. And remember, they were living in 
uh, Shushan, right? The citadel. That's where Xerxes, uh, that's his shorter name. His longer name would be Ahasuerus. Uh, he was basically, you know, the, that, that kingdom, I think, uh, Persians, right? And their kingdom extended from India to Ethiopia. Basically, it's from one end to the other, you know, of the known uh, civilized world of that time. And uh, in, that, in that region, sorry, in that region. And, and the thing is this. Xerxes had told these fellas, these uh, Jews, that you could go back to Jerusalem and, and rebuild the temple, rebuild the city. And the Jews went back on two uh, batches. You can read this in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, right? How they went back. But these guys, Mordecai and Esther and all, they chose to stay back. So this is a glimpse of their life, behind the, uh, behind the scenes glimpse of the Jews in captivity. How they lived, how they lived in captivity. And Mordecai used to sit at the city gate. Remember, so he was some kind of uh, of a leader of sorts. Because if you look at how uh, governments and cities operated in the Old Testament, you know, most of the time a lot of business dealings and uh, and legislations and stuff were done at the gates of the city. All right. So if you've got someone sitting at the city gate, you know he's some leader of sorts, right? Uh, and, and so Mordecai was one of these, these leaders. He had gone to uh, this land where he was carried captive and he was praying for the prosperity of the nation, uh, like what Jeremiah, you know, God spoke to Jeremiah when the Babylonians carried them away and said, pray for the prosperity of the nation where I, I would send you. That's why, you know, even as we are in this nation of Malaysia, wherever we are, pray for the prosperity of the nation, right? And so that's what Mordecai was doing, and in a sense, God had raised him up in that place. Now, after Queen Washti uh, had her fallout with, the, with King Xerxes, what happened was he had to look for a new wife. And so they had this, um, for the lack of a better word, a beauty contest of sorts, and Esther was chosen, right? Esther was a Jewish name. The Babylonian, or sorry, the Persian name was Hadassah. Hadassah simply meant Stunning or striking beauty. So she was really beautiful. All right. And so by God's providence, she ended up becoming the queen. Okay. And then, of course, you know, uh, they had this guy, Haman. You need a villain in every drama, right? Haman comes and tries to kill all the Jews. Do you know that Haman, Haman was an Agagite? He was an Agagite, right? An Agagite would be an Amalekite. Okay, remember when Samuel told King Saul to wipe out the Amalekites? And he did not. He left some of them, all right? And there was a king called Agag, remember him? Of course, Samuel killed Agag, but Saul possibly read, let some of these guys escape. That's why he had this vendetta against the Jews. Because he was Haman the Agagite, and he had a vendetta against the Jews, okay? So... He tries to kill the Jews, and Mordecai hears of it. He goes to Esther. He tells Esther that, hey, you know, this is what's happening. And you remember, he, he was in sackcloth. When you read the book, you'll see that he will be in sackcloth. I'm just crashing this, like, really fast, fast, you know, so try and bear with me. Go back and read it. That's why the 10 chapters, go back and read it, right? So he, he wears sackcloth, and he's really, like, you know, in this, in this, Bad state, like, you know, he's thinking because what Haman wanted to do, to, to do was he wanted to kill every Jew 
in that in the kingdom in that kingdom that means from india to ethiopia i think there were about 127 provinces under king xerxes and he wanted to kill every jew in with in, inside those 127 provinces all right and he kind of like legalized it he tricked the king and he legalized it so the king had kind of like signed the death warrant of the jews okay so as they had to go before the king initially she did not want to get involved a bit like the church today right we see so many things happening out there, but we don't want to get involved. Stay quiet, stay out of trouble. But sometimes we have to understand that we were put in that situation for such a time as this. To confront, to pray, and to be the voice of God in that time. And, and when she kind of like pulled back a bit, this guy, Mordecai, her father, you know, her adoptive father reminded her, look, if you hide away from this issue, thinking that you are saved, God will raise up deliverance from another person, from another side, but you would be answerable for this. He reminded her, you see, he reminded her to get her focus back on God's perspective on God's direct, directive and God's, uh, what do you call it, agenda. Not so much her agenda, but God's agenda. So that's what you know, Mordecai did. When you talk about the Mordecai syndrome, there are a few things that we're going to be looking at. As you read this book, God will bring to your understanding what actually Mordecai did and how he fathered Esther very effectively. The thing is this, even when Esther was taken to the palace, the harem in the palace, actually, right? Because these guys have got so many concubines, etc., etc., as well as the queen. So they're all packed in that same place. But even when she was there, Mordecai kept following up to ensure that she was okay. Right? Now, we'll be looking at a few, uh, three key factors. All right? Three key factors. The key indicators that identify good fathers. Mordecai was a good father. We know God is the good father. And we'll be looking at three items here. The first one, one will be the providence of God that enables fathers to endure till the end. That means you continue fathering all the way to the end. As long as you have breath, you are a father to your children. Second one, Influence. Fathers model godly character for their sons and daughters. Kepimpinan melalui teladan. Remember that? Right? Leadership by example. Third part. In terms of significance. Fathers raise up children. Parents lah. Fathers raise up children to live for a higher purpose. For a higher purpose would be God's purposes or God's agenda. You raise up your kids not for your own agenda. You're raising them up for God's agenda. Amen. So that would be the three key indicators that we'll be looking at. First one, God's providence. See, when you step out on a journey that God has sent you to, God will pick up the tab. 
We are called to reflect the Father. We are called to fatherhood, right? And it, it's just, you know, you're looking at fathers, but it's also mothers. When you talk about single parents, mothers who are taking care of their kids and all that, right? See where parenting is concerned. Whether you are a spiritual parent or a physical parent, you never stop fathering. A father never speaks evil of his children. He never puts a lid over his children. God never did. Luke 15, 20, we know the story of the prodigal son, right? The saddest thing about the prodigal son is, I was watching this, this I, I don't know if you've seen these cartoons for kids, right? With Zoe, my daughter, sometimes I just hold her up and we watch this, this Christian cartoons. And it's, it's so funny because it's sad actually, but the cartoon makes it so funny. This guy, the prodigal son, he squanders everything. And now he's feeding the pigs. And he goes to pick up the leftover corn cob, you know, that, that, that eaten up corn cob, right? Half-eaten corn cob. But the pigs were eating and all these pigs, look at, circle him with angry eyes. <laughs> he could not even eat the leftover food the pigs had. He couldn't even touch the pig slop. Sometimes we mess up so badly. Kids mess up so badly, right? They come to that level. But you know what the father did? Let's read this, Luke 15, 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father was looking out for him. He had gone for so long, right? I'm sure the father was there looking out for him, yearning for him, waiting for him to come back. That's an Asian story. Right? But sometimes when you look at Asian parents, if the father was looking out there, he's probably waiting to slap him. <laughs> but you know what? God is looking out for you and I. He does not write us off. None of us are write-offs. God does not write us off. Okay, I just want to share this with you. Every one of us are in some position of leadership. In that sense, you may be a physical parent, but most of us are also spiritual parents. You're mentoring someone, you're guiding someone, you are overseeing someone, right? When you do that, remember this, always speak what is right over them. Decree the word of God and prophesy the word of God over them. Because if you speak evil of them, see, they could have messed up. See, in the case of uh, Mordecai and Esther, you know, when Esther saw this threat, she chose to disengage and ignore it. But Mordecai corrected her and got her back on the right track. All right? You can reprove, you can correct. It's not close your eyes and do nothing. Because if you do not correct them, if you do not reprove them, sparing the rod spoils, spoils a child, right? I think uh, there's one verse in, in the book of Proverbs. King James Version basically says that the rod of correction drives foolishness far away. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. So, the Bible approves rotan. 
Okay. Right. And a father, in, in terms of fathering, right, he speaks what is right over his children. Because when you speak evil over your children, or even those who, whom you are serving with, your cell members, or your church members, or those people who are serving alongside you, you are speaking evil over them, right? If you speak evil over them, you will forfeit your spiritual authority over them. You will forfeit your authority over them in that once you speak something negative over them, something evil over them, you give, you empower the enemy to work in their lives. Do you know that? Fathers, mothers, pastors, leaders, cell leaders, zone leaders, ministry leaders, ketua kampung, ketua rumah, when you speak evil over the people that God has put under your stewardship, you empower the enemy to work against the agenda of God in their lives. So speak what is right. Because your leaders can put a lid over you and prevent you from moving into the next level that God wants you to. My dad once told me, a real father will never speak evil over his children. A real father will never stifle his children. I'll tell you this, a, a parent, a good parent, because I've seen people speak ignorantly. You know, what is wrong has been cascaded down into their lives and they speak and channel it down to their children. But what we are called to do is to embrace what God has given us and cascade that down into our children and those that are ministering with us, those that God has put under our stewardship, that is what God wants us to do. And that is what Mordecai was doing. And when we see our children, see those around us, they could be pretty messed up now. We're not playing ostrich, putting our head in the sand and saying everything is well. If things are not well, you go to God, go to the feet of the Lord and bring them before him in prayer. Engage where you need to, Speak to them, correct them. We had someone called Dr. Dugood in our homes. Dr. Dugood was Mr. Rotan. He taught us and kept us on track. My mom used to Rotan us. I mean, you know, when we did things, we were really naughty kids. Really, really, really naughty kids. Lah. Okay. We did things you won't even believe. Some of you know, but you know, but I'm sure there are naughtier ones than me down there, right? Come on, guys, don't look so holy. Okay, I know you are saved and redeemed and all that. But 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 you see, but you see, the thing is this: correction is necessary. But when you correct them, you do it through the eyes of God. You see them through the lens of the Word of God. All right. When a kid falls, he can rise. I mean. We, we, we knew this guy who went to drug rehab 18 times. He was, a drug, he was a drug pusher. He went into drug rehab 18 times. But his sponsor never gave up on him. Same guy sponsored him for the last six rounds that he was in a drug rehab. He was not his relative. He was not his friend. But eventually he became his pastor. But he sponsored him. And he saw. And he said, hey, this guy will come good. He will come good. 18 times in a drug rehab. Guys, come on. 
But this man just kept speaking and saying, no, he will come good. He refused to listen to anything else. When I saw that, I said, God, this is, you know, this is a, it's a real lesson for me, for, for all of us. To know that no one is a lost cause with God. No one is a lost cause with God. When you see the person in the mirror saved, and look at the person in the mirror, right, every morning, and you see that person saved, right? It gives hope to everyone else out there. Amen? Amen? God never writes you off. You know, I was reading the book of Revelation. It's one of the books that I read quite a bit. I, I, I don't know why. I just love to read it a lot. So I just read it. And every time I come to this place, I think it's in between 17 to 19, right? There's this small, like a, it's like a postscript there, right? In that verse, right? It says, yet after all these things, men did not repent. After all, the seals were opened and judgment was coming hard and fast on those fellas. Yet they did not repent. What does that tell you? That means that God is giving them the opportunity to come into the kingdom even then. And yet they choose to ignore God. God is a good God. He waits for us. But remember this, God does not look comfortably at sin. We share and we preach about a God who loves, a Father who loves. But He loves us too much to leave us wallowing in sin. Amen. And if you love your Father, you would want to do what pleases Him. Amen. Good fathers, endure till the end. And for you to stand to the end, God provides the tools. God provides the grace. By grace, I mean God provides the enabling empowerment. And however, wherever we come, we have come from, how, you know, whether our earthly parents are good, bad, ugly, whatever, right? Remember this. Pastor Ferg talked earlier about, he spoke earlier about God refathering us this morning when he prayed for us. Let God refather us. Even if our parents were good, you can't compare your goodness with God, right? Completely different. And God is good and He is really, really good. Do you know that God is cheering for you? Do you know that when you read Zephaniah 3.17, God rejoices over you, He sings over you, He dances over you. Can you imagine that? That is God. Amen. Endure till the end. Providence. Number two. Whoops. Good fathers. They bring the right influence into the lives of their sons and daughters. What they do, they model godly character. For us, as fathers, for us, as parents, for us, as leaders, you know that our children are watching us? My sister shared this. I don't know if she's going to watch this, but anyway, I'll just share this. You know, they, they were talking about an individual in their church at home, saying that this person is pretty boring. 
the next morning, they go to church. This was on Saturday, right? And, and my niece was probably about two years old or three. And they greeted this person in the morning and said, hi, so-and-so. And my niece ran to my sister and told her, Auntie said, Mom, is this the boring? Kids have no guile, you know, basically, right? As they're growing up, right? So be careful what you speak. Be careful how you behave. And then we were walking down, uh, taking a walk down the road near our home. And there was this friend of ours, you know, this, she's a grandma and she's got this kid. And the dad comes and takes something from him. And he looks at the dad and says, S-E-O-O-P-I-D. Huh? I'm like, what did you say, boy? And he repeated that and he pointed at the dad. And I said, okay. And the grandma told me. When he gets angry, the father, this is what he calls others. He spells it. He spells it. It's it should STU, but he says, spells it this way. So the kid. It sounds funny, but it can get real ugly, right? It sounds funny, but it can get real ugly. I mean, of course, my, my niece is really, I mean, my sister and my brother-in-law's parenting is good. The kids have turned out really good. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God, you know. But uh, you know, and, and my neighbor's kid, he's a good kid. But what I'm saying is that we look at how people behave. If you sit with leaders and they are speaking evil of others, and we serve under them, we will end up doing the same when we become leaders. But if they said no, we will not have this kind of conversation in this place. When we come into that place, into that location of authority, we will do the same. Amen? More things are caught than thought. You can't teach some things. You watch and you learn. Right? You watch how they do a certain thing. They, you watch how they speak, how they articulate, all those small, small nuances. You pick it up. And we internalize it. We absorb those things, assimilate those things into us. Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Godly character modeled for those who followed him. He was a good spiritual father. You know, Timothy was, you know, he was martyred actually, Timothy, right? Um, but, and, and all those fellows who, who followed him, I'm not saying all of them were martyred or anything like that, but all of them stood up for the gospel and they participated in the expansion of the kingdom of God and they loved God as much as Paul did. That was Paul's testimony. That was what Paul did. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Interestingly, I was looking up the word imitate here and it says one particular, I think it was RIV, Renner's uh, interpretive version that says that it's like getting into uh, being a shadow, being his shadow or something like that. It's, I, I, I really didn't get what he meant, I mean, the, the ex exact terms, but what he meant is be his shadow, like shadow this guy, you know. That was the level of imitation Paul was talking about. So, godly character has to be modeled by parents. More things are caught than taught. 
you know this, right? There are some things you cannot. You, you write it down. You show them all the steps. You, they can't do it. But when you show them how it's done, people pick it up. That's how we are called to guide and lead our kids. Godly fathers, what they do? They point the kids. In, they inspire the kids to live a life of significance, a life that is lived for a higher purpose. Encourage, exhort, admonish, correct, redirect, remind, and reinforce. Always. That legacy, when it's lived for a higher purpose, the purpose of God, the agenda of God, cannot be corrupted, cannot be tainted. Amen? 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9. My dad, the day before he went to be with the Lord, called me up and, uh, and I was at his, at, at, his, at his bed, hospital bed. He wasn't feeling too good. So Denise and I had visited him in the hospital after the family. Uh, were all there and I walked up to him and I spoke to him and he said you know I was the last one actually to, to speak to him and after that the next day he passed on and so he just grabbed my hand he said boy you know what what if I go to be with the Lord tomorrow maybe the next in the next few days tomorrow maybe I said no dad you know don't even say that I'm trusting God to heal you I mean how can you say yeah okay you know you're praying for God to save him right he just grabbed my hand and said this remember this I did all I could to be a good father to you. But when I leave, God will be a father. I was like, okay. And I told him, okay, yeah, yeah. I think you're tired. Okay, get some sleep. You know, and just hugged him. And then I just came out. Came out. Next morning, I got a call. 6.15, you get a call, you know, that what has happened, right? And, and it came as a shock even then. But yeah, he went to be the Lord. So I was thinking, as I was walking back, the time I was trying to think about what are the things that he taught me. So many things I saw in his life. He doesn't talk much, but he showed me a lot of things. One of the things I want to share with you is this. We lived in a kampong. You know what's a kampong, right? Rinkenbergers, you guys know kampongs better than most of us. So, <laughs> so we lived, lived, lived in, a, in, a, in a kampong, and there was another kampong outside. And there's another kampong. We were in the center. There's one kampong on the right, one kampong on the left, and one kampong in front. The back was the army camp and the river and some bushes. Okay. <laughs> so, lots of times, they have these water houses on the edge of the kampongs. Right? The kampongs are mostly temporary ownership land. I think they, they had some permits. So, these houses that were the squatter houses were already, already vacated. That means there's nobody inside there. It's already cleared up. So the, the municipality fellas, BBKL, Bandar, Devan Bandaraya Kuala Lumpur, were supposed to come and demolish those houses. And so what these guys did, this three-man team did, they missed that row entirely. And they came into this kampong. And there was this lone house, slightly isolated on, on the edge of that border between those squatter houses. And the kampong. And this is about, it was about 3.30, 4 o'clock. 
and they just came and there's this old auntie who lived there her husband had gone to work her kids were all out of home they they'd all been working I think the last one went to school so anyway uh, these guys came and demolished the house just demolished it that means they knocked out you know those wooden houses with half bricks and, and wood right so just knocked out everything and so the auntie ran out screaming, I think, and, and all the orang kampongs, villagers, all the three kampongs came together up in arms against the Bandaraya fellas. And they were all quarreling and shouting. And so my brother and I were watching, you know, what's happening here and all that. And my dad had gone to work. He was a mechanic who worked in, at that time, it was called Sri Jaya. Uh, you guys can remember Sri Jaya? No. GTC, General Transport Company, Sri Jaya. And then it became Intrakota after that. Remember in Trakota, right? Okay. So, and, and it was in Sentul. All right. So, my dad comes back. He looks at my brother and my son and said, boys, let's go back home. I'm like, but, but lots of things are happening here, right? These guys are taking parangs and sickles. You know, the, you know, the, the fellas who cut grass for the cows, sickles and all that. And they are surrounding these this three DBKL guys that were now, you know, shivering. So, my dad goes back home. He tells us, okay, come bring his school uh, box and he's got you know they got this like uh, uh, a pouch where you got nails and and stuff and then you put in your hammer right so he brings that up says come let's go so we walk up and then he tells my brother and myself to hold up you know the planks that, that had been knocked off right so we just held it up and we just started kneeling back the planks while all these guys were out there shouting and causing a ruckus and fighting with this dbkl guy he just didn't, didn't say anything just knocked back knocked back knocked back he just finished off half of one wall when all the others stopped. And they came and they started helping. Nobody was fighting with the DBKL guys. Everyone started helping. And I think within a few minutes, if I can remember, the house was completed. And he took us and said, let's go for a drink. And that day when he sat in that, uh, having a drink in that, it was a Chakritiao uh, stall. And this guy was my dad's good friend. So having this, he said something. He told me that when you see a problem, don't add to it. If you know what is the solution, just bring that solution to the problem. Be a solution. Don't aggravate the problem. And I remember this so well to this day. And I, I was probably um, standard two, standard three, 1979, standard three. That's when this happened. Fathers teach us, they model it for us. They encourage us, they model it for us, and they show you how it's done. They show you what needs to be done. They also show, show you when it needs to be done. When, you know, it's like you need to know the what, you need to know the how, you need to know the when, right? And finally, he told us the why. People are already angry. People not help if we keep fighting till it's late at night and the auntie has nowhere to sleep. Eleven twenty. I'm just going to share this very quickly with you. I'm, I'm, I'm closing now. Okay, I promise you that. Let this year be a time where we come to God to know that He is our Father. He is our God. He is a good father that he is for us. 
And when we choose, when we resolve to do what is right, he gives you the strength. He gives you the provision. Right? And he enables you to bring his influence into the lives of those around you. And when you are ministering to your children, when you are ministering to those that God has put under you at that time, minister life. Empower them, enable them to be better than you. Always empower them and enable them to be better than you. Those guys are supposed to be the new improved 2.0 version of you. When you do that, you will never lose out. You will never lose out. And I'll tell you another thing. Whatever age you think you are, you know, it's not like you've not reached your so-called sunset years. Don't worry. You've not. Where God is concerned. If he has got something for you and you follow hard after him, he will see to it that if you need a longer runway to take off, he will make that. He will build that runway for you. He will build that runway for you. God is a good God. Keep your eyes on the Lord, right? And finally, the third thing is this. As parents, see, I'm, it's a twofold thing I'm trying to share here. Number one, we look at God as he enables us. And number two, through his enabling empowerment, we enable those that God has put under our stewardship. Amen? Remember, we don't own our children. We don't own the people who minister under us. We are just stewards. And that time that God has given us, that tenure, is your watch. Right? Did you bring them into God's agenda? Did you bring them into the place of promise? Or did you at least set them up to reach that place of promise? Or did you divert them and circumvent them from reaching their destiny? We are going to pray, but I want you to remember what were the three key indicators that identify good fathers. The first thing is this. We endure till the end. I'm, just not, I'm not just talking to fathers. Yes, today is Father's Day, but I'm talking to fathers, mothers, leaders. Spiritual fathers, physical fathers. Endure till the end. Don't walk away. Don't abandon your charges. Because God never abandons. And we are his sons and daughters. We never abandon our charges. When the tough get, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. The tough get going means the tough don't chabot lari. They stand there and see the cause through. Influence. Imitate Christ so that your sons and daughters, our sons and daughters, those who are ministering with us, will see Jesus in us. And then you'll see the influence. You know, Mordecai's influence enabled Esther to stand up for what was right at the cost. You know, it was she risked her life to, to reach out to Xerxes because if Xerxes was displeased with her, Right? But because of her obedience, she saved the Jews. God prepared her for such a time as that. She could not see it then, but her father could see it. And her father directed her correctly. 
be that father, model godly character. Third one. Inspire them to see God's agenda for their lives. Because we cause them to see their lives being bigger than it is. If it is lived outside God, no. But it, when it's lived for God, it will have significance. I saw a translation many years ago. It talked about you know, where Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that? We were in Sunday school and, and my, my, my friend who was with me said, that's nonsense. I can do so many things without Jesus. So my Sunday school teacher, Thomas Burgess, uh, uh, he, he's gone to be with the Lord now. He said something interesting. He said, yeah, that's true. You can do a lot of things without Jesus. But those things will have no eternal value or purpose. When you do things in the Lord, through his enabling empowerment, everything you do will have a value. It will have an eternal purpose. They will displace darkness in the lives of the people you touch. They will displace darkness. They will prevent darkness from coming into your children. Strengthen your children and fortify them to move further than you did. Amen? Endure till the end. That, that you do through God's providence. Model God, godly character. Influence them for good so that they will influence others for good. Live for a higher purpose. In terms of significance, every one of us are highly significant as far as God is concerned. That significance only comes in the Lord, through the Lord. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is really, really awesome and God is so, so good. You are good. I just want us to just lift our hands to the Lord this morning. And to worship this good father of ours, the good father, the Lord who is good, the Lord who is for you. That's right, that's right. And let him just refather you this morning. Let him just refather you. Not just here, but throughout the rest of your life from this moment onwards. Father, if there be any hurt, if there be any bitterness or anything, Lord, that has come into our lives as a result of bad parenting by our parents or those that you have put above us today. Or if we have been bad parents, if we have not done what we ought to have as parents, as leaders, as fathers and mothers, forgive us. Forgive us this morning, we pray. That the words that were spoken over our lives by those that you had placed above us in authority, Father, if those words have been limiting us, there be any lid, any limitation over our lives. Anything that is binding us to iniquity, anything that is stopping us from moving forward or from progressing into the things that you have called us to, from progressing into the promise that you have released over our lives. Father, we ask that you forgive us. You forgive the sin. Lord, let that iniquity be erased. Let that sin be erased right now. Forgiven completely by the blood of Jesus. For we stand on the finished work of Jesus. 
and because of the love of our Father in our lives, God. Because of His grace, because of His favor over us, Father. We can be good fathers. We can be good mothers. We can be good parents. We can be reflectors of our good father. Father, I pray for SIB KLA to my beloved. I pray for those of us who are already in this sanctuary, everyone in this sanctuary, and those that are connected with us online, those who will be listening to this sermon, Father, to receive your word. But God, release your anointing over them right now. Release your healing over them right now. And as a church, Father, we would be people who release your healing balm with our words. We would be people who release your breakthroughs. We would be people who lift up lids and break shackles. We would be your sons and daughters who release your presence. We would release Jesus through our words. We would release Jesus through our thoughts. We would release Jesus through our works. Let this be the portion of every one of us here. Let this be the portion of SIBKL at Sumai Polo. We bless you and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.